Hello, and welcome to the Four Cornered Room. My name's Cody Clark, and right now, my basement's full of my favorite people. Moxie O'Brien. Hi, everybody. Ian Compton. Hi, you kids. <laughs> and Abe Zito. Yo. <laughs> Thanks for breaking that up. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, appreciate yeah. I didn't. That. I didn't know how to take it further than Ian took it. So I, I mean, that that seems to be a trend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the mouse that's gonna rock the house. <laughs> Hit it. Oh, and hey, your sued. creator was a Nazi. That's cool. <laughs> um, was, yeah. We may do an episode about him eventually, if I'm okay with just finally killing off the last vestiges of my childhood. Yeah, um, severing the. The full tie now. Right. So, I don't, I don't know, man. How are you? <laughs> just try oh, it different. Yeah. How are you today? You know, just super <laughs> existential and thinking about life. Just That's internally all. screaming. Every minute of the day, yeah. I I realized today that um, it was four years ago this week since the Unite the Right rally. So, I've been great. Yeah. thinking a lot about how how good and great and yeah. good that is. Yeah. The tiki torch sales that month were fucking through uh, the roof. Tiki torches, hair gel, fucking lot white of polos, polos, lot of polos. Yeah, yeah same hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the freshest uh, white bread wear you could find. Yeah, man, and it's just been weird, like ginger doing, ale doing this season in particular of this show, and then like looking at an event that's a lot like a lot of what we've talked about in the last month exactly, that yeah. was four years ago. That and, like, how much we don't really still talk about it is another thing that I was thinking about. I mean, I guess it came up in the news not too long ago because they just took that statue down. Yeah. Like, this year, right? This a couple is, of months ago? Yeah, it, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. But this is the rally where, where the woman got ran over, correct? Yeah, Heather Yes, unfortunately, Heyer. yes. Heather, well, Biden that was, was Unite the Right? Yeah, yes. That was, oh, it was, okay. was a two-day event. Biden oh, was, okay, was okay, okay, okay. I feel like the tiki. I feel like Biden was talking before. about that near the end of his campaign, or like something like he was. That was like in his. I mean, he was repertoire. probably using it as a reference to how like the like how a lot of liberals view the Trump presidency yeah. as like a heightening point in racial violence yeah, in I, this country. Surely, so I'm, I agree know. with you that we don't talk about it, but I do remember him bringing it up in some late campaign speeches. Yeah, for for, for brownie points. For yeah. brownie yeah. points, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it is interesting to like we were talking about this upstairs off mic, and I think that it is interesting to look at like in that four year period, you had a two day race riot for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes. And then you had the the police riots for the George Floyd shit that went on for like six or seven months, in the span of four years, and it's it's, remarkable, it's really. crazy how much we're not really talking about either one of them anymore. You know, we talked about Tulsa a season ago and how it was wild that all of that shit happened, and then somehow they were able to just like magically like erase it from the public consciousness. And so it, quickly, is, yeah. it is crazy that they did it without social media, I guess, because I think that social media and really just the speed of a 24 hour news cycle plays a part in that now because like so much shit happens in such a short period of time. Sure. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. guess there's that. I think with the uh, lesser technology, it almost gives more time to craft the lie. That's true, too. Like so you can like spin a different ends. narrative really, really yeah. quickly. Like, 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 uh, you know, you were just seeing, saying off mic, you know, there's like a hundred different versions of something you can see. 
Right, right. So maybe maybe that just leads to the more confusion. I mean, I think that propaganda plays a bigger part in, like, modern media than it used to, and, like, one of the main purposes of propaganda is confusing the conversation, so there is something to that. I agree, yeah. But, like, I don't know, what do you guys remember about that event, I guess? Tiki Torches, uh... That one, that that one, Martin Shkreli looking motherfucker yelling real loud in the picture. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Richard Spencer is that who that was? I mean, no, that's, it was well, just he's one some of the people dude. who organized oh, okay. it, but I don't think yeah. that's him in the picture. Yeah, it's just, just just some like four chan motherfucker <laughs> who who helped put it all together. This is twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. An entire high school. Like, wow, like, overwhelmed with hatred. <laughs> well, overwhelmed with like. The world's hatred at the like. If I'm just like taking myself back, like this is like I'm about to move out of New York City and like I like. Yeah. Do you remember watching the? You were living in New York when that happened. Yeah, I'm just like keeping not watching, like just like keeping up on shit on the internet. But I, ever since the election and Trump got elected, I was very much like, we gotta get the fuck out of this city. We gotta get the fuck (laughs) out of here. And that was like pretty close to I think the time that we either moved home or were moving home and. Yeah, it was just like, the, yeah, we can get the fuck out of everywhere now. You have Everywhere's... a very shocked look on your face right I now. I just realized two cops died that, that same two-day rally in a completely inqu- inconsequential uh, helicopter crash. Isn't that weird? A helicopter no. crash? Are you talking about the you... helicopter crash? Rip. No, I'm talking about Unite the R- Right, that rally. R.I.P. Kobe. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. R.I.P. So... Stevie Ray. Anyone? Sorry. Okay. No laughs in this bunch. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Cody, do you remember seeing seeing the coverage or having any particular? Thoughts oh yeah, about... I. I feel like that whole day was really chaotic. Like social media was chaos kind of being a vibe as well. It was a fiery. I I remember. Blaze. Uh, I remember it was CNN and M- MSNBC being like, the president won't say racists are bad. And that was like the first time was, that narrative yeah. was a big thing. I was, was just like, thinking wow. this That's is true. the time he said, there's good people on both sides. Yeah, that yeah. was fucked. Yeah. 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 Can you believe he spun back around to Trump? people yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's, I think the a big tipping point, even amongst people who never liked him. I think as having a thing they could point to that he handled very, very poorly. And I think that also gave a lot of right wing media a a big nudge towards like a white supremacist, white nationalist. Right. Yeah. They had to go on the defensive. Yeah. Like a lot of stuff that was just conservative Republican, which is white supremacist enough, uh, became overtly so after that. Like, you know, your Fox News people like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, I think. Uh, from that period on, that kind of became a business model for a lot of people that it hadn't been. And that's still, I guess, yeah. the business model for a lot of those fucking people. Yeah, there was that uh, interview with the guy from the ex-Stormfront member who said his, his family watches watches Tucker Carlson oh, every, yeah. every day. Twice a day. Yeah, twice a day. Once for How? laughs. They watch it once for laughs, and then they watch it again to get the uh, talking points, I think yeah. is what he said. Or oh, fuck. Who was interviewing him, Anderson Cooper? Is yeah, that who it was, was Anderson Cooper. I saw bits of that. I'm not an Anderson Cooper guy, but I, yeah. I sometimes I, his interviews I don't dislike are okay. Anderson Cooper. He's a bit liberal for me, but so, yeah. so is like 
everyone on television, if we're being totally honest. Remember that video of him getting really baked a couple of years back? <laughs> that was funny. No, I don't. Yeah, he was like hosting some New Year's thing, just fucking rip roar. Oh, yeah, him and Kathy Griffin host like him. a New Year's thing or something. Good for him. He's, he's, go- he's gone. She's a stoner. He was yeah. cheesed. I thought absolutely fuck- cheesed laughing. That's hilarious. It was funny. Who was he with? I think he was with Snoop Dogg or, or Wiz Khalifa. I don't know. It was so funny. Both, so both funny. big stoners. Yeah. That's what um, I've heard about them. Yeah, from them probably. Yeah, uh, but a I, movie about a stoned high school going. It's it's been a very very heavy season as far as like topics and everything, and like today's gonna be a bit heavy, but not quite as much. Uh, but I guess to start with, like we've we've discussed cumulatively like a lot of things about like racial disparity, both in wealth, the way like laws are reinforced, and and we're gonna talk about reparations today, and one of the biggest pushbacks that I think you hear from people, particularly white people in government, uh, against reparations is that it's racially focused and therefore racist legislation for the government to help black people in this way, which has always felt ironic to me because most of our laws are racially focused, even if we don't want to state them as such. And to illustrate that, I'm going to do an experiment right now. Okay. Okay, so there's four of us in this room, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three of us are white. I'm not. Everyone in this room smokes weed, correct? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. How many years have you been smoking weed? Uh, you know, I just counted this the other day. Like, um, give or take. Over 10, right? Yeah, just, I think I just re- reached 10. Okay. Actually, yeah. Well, Eight, over 10. Over 10? The just 10 thingy. Okay. Around there. So, how many times have you been arrested for smoking weed? Never. In 10 years? Any of you? Yeah, not once. You ever been to prison? No. No? No. You know how many times times I had been arrested for smoking weed the first 10 years I smoked weed? Over nine. That's something. (laughs) Like, yeah. I've I've been to both prison and jail. I've been on state I've been on state supervision, and I've been arrested over a half a dozen times. You actually so I do want to <laughs> remark that the first time I smoked weed, I got pulled over by a cop, and they asked if I had been drinking that day, and I said no, sir, because I'm only 18 years old. Nice. So I I I'm not I'm not allowed to drink, and I said that to him. <laughs> I I was like I don't know if you know. But I'm not allowed I'm, to drink. I'm not I don't know if anyone told to. you. Yeah, but but I'm aware of the laws, officer. Yes, weed so, is illegal, officer. Ew, I don't mess around yucky. with that. No, it was alcohol. That's the funny thing. They thought the, was... the question was about alcohol, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's just, I think, an illustration for like a law yeah. that is not specifically on the books targeting black people or people of color, and yet. Like, if you look at, for example, like, traffic stop statistics, white people are something like eight times more likely to have contraband on the ca- in the car, but we're four times more likely to get stopped than you. Yeah, and like with the population disparity, too, it's really we remarkable. We make up 14% of the population and, like, 400% of the traffic stops or something by volume. Like, it's insane. Mm. <laughs> so, there are plenty yeah, exactly. of racially targeted laws already like we talked about housing covenants and shit like that we've talked about uh labor discrimination well um, like that that's 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 just an example of someone saying the quiet part quietly you know right right uh, they, they they actually did the thing there that we make the joke about right a literal dog whistle yeah uh, that thing that only a specific group of people is supposed to know is going on it, but is very clearly going on and this country's fucking dope at that oh yeah 
at the at the very 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 racist high school that I went to. The the how many how many racists was it, Abe? I mean, a bunch, a bunch, like a bushel. Somebody rode a dirt bike through it. Yeah, somebody did. Yeah, at knock. Yeah, someone rode a dirt bike through knock. Someone pooped on the stairs. Um, oh yeah, that's same. Yeah. Uh, well, somebody, but, somebody poops on the stairs at every high school. Yeah, that's true. White people, why are you like this? <laughs> like, I don't understand. I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the the joke, and I'm putting the air quotes on. If we give out reparations, all it's just gonna be is is money for Cadillac. You know, it's it's funny you mention that, and that allows me to mention something that I I've been wanting to say on the show for quite some time. They're like, you remember the Dave Chappelle bit about that? The idea that, like, they gave out reparations and, like, everybody started record labels and, like, bought jewelry and, like, everybody had spent all the money in an afternoon. You see that bit yeah. on Chappelle's show? Oh, Were you aware that the writing room for Chappelle's show was, like, two-thirds white? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, that, do, you, uh, do you know who that... Neil Brennan is? Yeah, yeah, You know, he yeah, was, like, yeah. the head writer on that show. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Bill Burr, the dude that everybody gets so mad at for saying things that aren't his place, he was a writer on that show. And, like, one of the only black people I'm aware of who wrote for that show was Paul Mooney. And while I admit Paul Mooney was so black, he makes up for, like, three white people. <laughs> I, I, I still think that it's 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 interesting to me. And, like, absolutely fucking uh, rest in peace, Paul Mooney. Mr. Paul Mooney. Respect. I'm thinking those close-ups. Uh, but like ranting. fucking um in 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 the case of like that show there were so many narratives that people were able to white people were able to say like this is an appropriate thing for me to say now because I saw it on Chappelle's show not realizing <laughs> that white dudes wrote most of those jokes <laughs> so that's that's a problem I've always had with that show personally uh like I think about that in the context of the the like uh the the first episode with the black clansman in it Oh, I, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, wonder yeah. which white dude writing for that show came up with the idea of a black dude in the clan and everybody was like, it's okay. It's like, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I, I say all that to say that I think that racially targeted legislation is appropriate in some cases when we've had so many years of anti-black legislation continuing up to now that reparations make sense to me because we've been intentionally disenfranchised and disadvantaged for like four centuries. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, I think everybody who's familiar with the idea of reparations has heard the uh, 40 acres and a mule thing, right? That, oh, yeah. Th- those words definitely ring a bell. Right. Do you know where they come from? I assume something racist someone no, said in the No, actually, 1800s? surprisingly, and Abe, considering everything you know about the Civil War, this will interest you. Uh, so on January 16th, 1865, uh, Union General William Tecumseh Sherman there he is. issued Special Field Order Number 15, which confiscated a strip of coastline that stretched from Charleston, South Carolina, to the St. Johns River in Florida and included Georgia's Sea Islands and the uh, mainland 30 miles in from the coast. The order redistributed roughly 400,000 acres of land to newly freed black families in 40-acre parcels. A lot of Um, fucking land. So this was just after Sherman's March to the Sea, which I think you and I have talked about a few times. And something I didn't know specifically about that march that I learned doing research for this is uh, his, like, raising the Confederacy to the ground during that march. Yeah. He picked up, like, 10,000 black refugees. 
because he'd burned down all the farms they were living yeah. on. Like, he killed <laughs> a lot of their owners. So he had this trail of, like, 10,000 former slaves, like a refugee camp, following the march everywhere he went. And yeah. he didn't know what to do with them. Right. Like, he couldn't protect them. He couldn't feed them. It was a lot of women and children. It wasn't just men. So they had this meeting with a couple of, like, community leaders, like black community leaders, and Abraham Lincoln basically issued an approval for whatever order Sherman was going to come up with four days before he even made the order. Because it was just like, we have all these people, what the fuck are we going to do with them? Figure it out. I'll, That's I'll on agree. you, Sherman. Yeah, like, I'll agree to whatever it is you want to do down get, there. Get it done, S-Dog. Uh, so Jeez. they, for like one of the first times in American history... A group of white people asked black people what they wanted. <laughs> and the answer was, well, I mean, land, like a place to, to be, I guess, would yeah. be good. So they took all this land from the Confederates and gave it to these black people. And after giving a, a couple of days after giving out the order, Sherman amended it to include uh, mules on loan from the government That's to helpful. help you know, cultivate the land. So that's right. where 40, 40 acres and a mule came from is William, Sh William T. Sherman. That's actually. interesting. And what's, what's, what's pretty cool about that. Uh, not cool. I don't know why I said that. It's a word though. <laughs> it's uh, a word that exists. Uh, it's some kind of adjective, some kind of adjective about this. Sherman was a terribly, terribly racist man. Well, uh, and it's not to say that what he did was for like yeah, altruistic what I, reasons. Like, yeah, it was probably just to piss off Georgia because well, the, I, he yes, loved yes. pissing off Georgia. Yes, nobody entire, liked pissing Georgia off more than Sh Sherman. The entire purpose for like freeing the slaves, as opposed to just like giving them back to the Confederacy, was that slaves were viewed as like a valuable resource during the Civil War because they can build shit. And yeah. they don't have to keep, like, any particular... You can just make them do whatever you want them to do, whether it's be troops or build things or take care of you or whatever. Like, so the idea was if we give these slaves back to the Confederate Army, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. And the response then is, well, yeah, but we can't fucking feed these people. Yeah. So the idea was, well, let's, let's kill two birds with one stone. Let's steal a whole bunch of our enemies' land and then give it to their for former workforce because it's a fuck you, and then we don't have to take care of these people anymore. Yeah. It's amazing huh. how much of American history that's viewed as, look at this nice thing we did for the black people was really, I don't want to fucking deal with this. You yeah. have a thing. <laughs> Just, yeah. Here's, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a housing act. Build a, I don't give I, a fuck. I believe it's Just called a, a pittance. Parenting 101. Yeah, pittance is, is, a, is a good, what did you say? Parenting 101. I mean, oh we I talk a whole lot about the infantilized way that white people view black people as a group, particularly the American government. Um, so there is something to that. Um, but I just, I just thought that was an interesting, like, to learn where 40 acres and a mule came from, because I've yeah, heard that, that expression my entire life, exactly. and I didn't know. Uh, now, that order, uh, special field order number 15, was overturned by Andrew Johnson. We were just saying, like, a couple of weeks ago, that, like, I wonder what Andrew Johnson did. He was Everything a massive, pe massive piece of shit. Like, Everything he was, bad. Yeah, super opposed to Reconstruction. He I overturned he was, the, um... I saw a bitch. 100 percent no one right named jackson that. can be president i think uh, johnson johnson okay with well, j you know if your last name starts with a j fuck off you don't get to be president i, don't I just care. don't think we should have presidents uh, well that's... this is this is a good start to that we just <laughs> we just make the we'll office unattainable yeah fair enough uh, so I, like we, we, I think I forget I just want what a I, thumbs up or a thumbs down. 
Hold on, look at the thumb. You know, Rome tried that, and it didn't work out great for them either. But oh, dear, been, yeah. We've been emulating the Roman model for I don't know how fucking long. For hundreds of years. Hey, so how long did the Roman Empire last, guys? 1,100 like, years. What? 1,100 years. That's how long you're saying the Roman Empire lasted? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I didn't think it was that long. Pretty long. Pretty long. Oh, I mean, so like... It's way off topic, but when once you count like East Rome and West Rome after All after right. the Great Schism, it's it is a really complicated history. Okay, but. Caesars. Okay, yeah, no, the Caesar was not that long. Right, the like two hundred and fifty years, right? Yeah, yeah, for the Caesars. Right, right. That's the part that like Western culture emulates. Yeah, a lot and, of it. And yeah. you look at all the cultures that emulate it, and how long do they last? Right, like about two hundred. But a salad lasts forever. Like about two hundred and fifty years. Right? I love a good Caesar salad. Yeah, incidentally, salad doesn't last that long. The lettuce does not goes last bad very pretty long. quickly. It's, it's nothing actually like nothing. a <laughs> super perishable food stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, as I was saying, uh, what Andrew Johnson did was uh, try to dismantle Reconstruction as much as possible, overturn the. Uh, order that and gave back all the confiscated land to the former slave owners and issued like an amnesty proclamation. Uh so he was a real son of a bitch apparently. Yeah. He got he got uh impeached. Do we know what for? Nah, I don't know. Well, that'll have to be for another day because I feel like we learn a little bit about a lot of people every week. Yeah. <laughs> like for example, one of the biggest proponents for um confiscating uh, Confederate land and giving it to slaves was Charles Sumner, that cat who got Charles nearly, Sumner was a really nearly dope dude. to death. Apparently so. He like, was like an abolitionist and everything. He was a, he was a progressive motherfucker. I, I don't have a high opinion of a lot of abolitionists because, like, as we're going to discuss today, most of them were still, yeah, still super wrong. fucking racist. But, like, he seems to have had a lot of, particularly for his era, progressive ideas. That's why the racist, the real, 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 real racist beat him half to death with a cane. Beat him half to death with a cane in the middle of the Senate floor. I just want to keep bringing that up like every week so that no one ever forgets it. (laughs) That someone was nearly murdered on the floor of the Senate for opposing slavery. That's from Daddy UK. With a with right, parliament. The parliament shit. With a blunt weapon. Right, too. with a blunt object while a room full of people watched. Like something out of a Tarantino film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you can so, imagine how many N words were probably thrown around oh, just like a Tarantino I bet if, film. There's probably a reason they didn't have stenographers back then. <laughs> like oh, yeah. Carol, we're gonna need you to leave the room. Shit's about to get ugly in here. <laughs> They're gonna be throwing slurs around pretty heavily for the next half it's hour. It's gonna get a bit niggery in here oh, for right. about the next forty five minutes if you can stop typing. <laughs> Carol, coffee break. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to go head Fuck. down to the go head down to the cafeteria yeah, and get yourself a salad, hun, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so earmuffs. The American oh. <laughs> earmuffs. The American government had been perplexed by what they called the Negro problem. Uh, oh. I.e., what to what do we do with all the black people here? Oh. Uh, since the 1700s, uh, the question of how best to handle the now millions of black people living in the states loomed pretty heavily. Uh, most whites, including the majority of ab- abolitionists, still viewed black people as inferior and therefore believed that integration was impossible. Uh, after much debate in 1816, the American Colonization Society was formed. I think this was originally like one of Jefferson's ideas. I don't like giving him credit for things, though. He's a bad person. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was a massive fucking piece of shit. He owned over 600 slaves, apparently. Fuck. Uh, so fuck him, but I think he mm-hmm. was one of the people who was... Uh, yes, you have your hand up, Ian? I, I couldn't resist. 
I looked up why he got impeached. Oh, fuck. We're going to have it. Good. I couldn't resist. It's really fucking weird. Weird? What, well, what weird in a way that I didn't expect it. All right. This is just like the Google like answer. Not, not looking any deeper than that. The primary charge against Johnson was that he had violated the Tenure of Office Act passed by Congress in March 1860s. This is the most He was American... president for too long? No, uh, over Johnson's, Johnson's veto. Specifically, he had removed from office Edwin Stanton, the Secretary of War, whom the act was lar- largely des- designed to protect. What? Wait, so he... So he got rid of someone they didn't want him to get and rid of? And they got rid yeah. of him. We need to look deeper into that. That's weird. Yeah, that seems like a lot of legalese to explain something. Yeah. Like, it's kind of weird to think that you used to be able to get kicked out of the presidency for firing someone. Anything at yeah, all? Like that, like, yeah, like, I thought maybe he showed his... <laughs> there used to be standards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was like... very, you sh- very low they might have been. You, you took your balls out behind the Oval Office. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. That's like, crazy. Um... Yeah. I mean, we were talking about doing a unit about presidents eventually, so that might maybe creep into the curriculum. Oh, dear. But the transition yes. waves go, and we go back to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> well, I, I, we're not really going to talk about Thomas Jefferson. I was just mentioning that I think he was one of the people who originally helped conceive of the American Colonization Society. Uh, and That organization did not originally favor emancipation either. Uh, they were originally uh, named by their founder, Robert Finley, the Society for the Colonization of Free People of Color of America. And uh, they uh, strongly name. pushed for, yeah, they probably just wanted something a bit easier to yeah, act. Yeah, for so real. Someone's like, hey, hey, that's, that's really long. Terrible marketing. That's, that's I a mean, real they had a lot more title. time back then. You know, there there was a lot more time to, to say things. Yeah, that's true. Just look at how soldiers wrote letters. Yeah, I mean. You know. Oh, yeah, what else? You you wrote that letter. Now you're done with things to do for the day. Exactly. Smoke a cigarette. You're not going to wash your ass or hands or anything. I mean, there's a lot of men in the States that still aren't doing that, as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, Wash your butt, people. Seriously. And stop telling people you don't bathe. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, But anyway, uh, the society strongly pushed for blacks to emigrate elsewhere. Uh, initially back to Africa, actually, uh, in a territory wow. that the U.S. actually obtained by gunpoint uh, called Liberia. Uh, we're going to get back to Liberia in a second. So this that's actually wild. The, I've raised my eyebrows twice, but right? no one can see this. So, so I'm just I, I forget. I think the dude's name was D- Domazuma, was the name of the king of uh, Liberia bef- uh, before we took it How over. How big of a gun do you have to have to hold up a whole entire country? Well, they just sat down with Cannons. the king and put a gun in his face and said, so here's what's going to happen. You went, we oh. have a land deed here. You can sign it, or we can shoot you and put someone in charge who will sign it. You know yeah. how the U.S. obtains land. Yeah, you blockade uh, a dock back then for, for a poorer country. Yeah, that's they're it. Done. That's they're it. Done. Their flag, though. Fucks wow. me up. That looks a lot like... Texas. Yeah. Really, really like Texas. Fucking interesting that. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that a Lone Star beer? What? No, that's the that? that's the Republic of Liberia, which was essentially a, an American territory. Damn. Their their coat of arms is a, a boat. <laughs> near, no, there's somebody shotgunning the... a Lone Star beer on the boat. Do you not see it? I... The image is quite too small. My it's, eyes yeah, cannot. Yeah, I can't focus yeah. that. You got good eyes, Ian. Yeah. Anyway. Good eyes, uh, So they they obtained Liberia at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not funny. I'm laughing at other things um and the idea was that they would send black people back to africa rather than have them here see we talked a bit i think uh three weeks ago in the confederacy episode about drapetomania and how white people for a really long time in the states believed that slaves wanted to be slaves yeah uh 
Uh, but after, uh, for example, the Nat Turner slave revolt in 1831, uh, white people kind of lived in constant fear of slave uprisings. Uh, you have to take into consideration that there were hundreds of thousands of freed blacks and former slaves walking around, and then a few million slaves. So once it becomes apparent, to, to, and I guess it's weird to even conceptualize that there was a period where it wasn't, that so these people really don't want to be doing this and a lot of them seem to be very very angry about it the idea was well we should let them all go but we should do it somewhere where like they can't plot and get back at us for what we did to them yeah uh so uh, hence the slave colony uh and of course, it's it's important to note that the ACS wasn't only founded by abolitionists. Uh, it was also founded by slave owners, uh, okay. both. Huh. And the idea that black people freed from slavery should be permitted to stay in the country was vastly unpopular. Uh, some people that worked in the organization had freed their slaves through a process called manumission. Uh, have you ever heard of manumission that is a- before? A very oddly specific word I've not heard. Hold on. Of. It's not time. a very fun word. It kind of sounds like manumission. It sounds like turning a human into a bullet. Yeah, that's what my <laughs> that's exactly where my brain went. Yeah. It does sound like a weird superhero that can like travel it. Sounds like my name is Manumission. Okay, no, this probably isn't funny. I'm gonna stop well, making jokes. Well, it sounds so, like a tech nine lyric. Oh my god, it really does. Yeah, I'm like, it sounds kind of cool. Usually I ignore whenever you say stuff like that, but that's actually kind of true. Thank you. So what is that word? So manumission was like a process through which slave owners could free their slaves by like either the slave would work off the value of like what it costs to buy them or or things of that nature. About that. Um, so huh. there was... Legislation surrounding manumission as far back as like the 1690s, particularly in wow. Virginia. Like, right. Okay. Um, and f- as a, for example, in Virginia, in order to buy your freedom, you also had to have the like the cost of a ticket out of the area. Like, you, <laughs> like you could you could become a freed person in Virginia, but you weren't Not allowed here. to stay in Virginia. Like you immediately had to leave. So there was a just lot like of Kevin. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, it's not just Virginia, though. Like, that's something we're going to get into a little bit later when we talk about sundown towns is the anti-black, anti-vagrancy, and anti-loitering legislation that existed everywhere that basically just meant you can't be black here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a lot of people who were getting freed, and then, by the way, like, you don't have to be a slave anymore, but you can't just be here. Like, you need to go home. Well, I don't live anywhere. Ah, that sounds like a you problem. Get the fuck out of town. Uh, And so you you had a lot of refugee camps and things like that popping up because there were former slaves that didn't have anywhere to live. Because this was also when they weren't citizens and weren't allowed to own property in some cases. Exactly right. You ever look up how much, like, it, like, the cost of a slave was back in the day to like now. Ooh, I just did. I don't have to say it, but it fucked me up. I mean, I'd like to question your source before you even say what. Well, it is. It, this is the, again because the there's quick a lot Google. of that whole like white people were not largely implicit in slavery because most of us couldn't afford slaves argument. That's part of that. So like, I Huh. Go ahead, though. What's it say? Well, this says forty thousand today is money. That makes sense because they had debt and stuff back then, so you could yeah, you could take out we, a loan we're for a talk, slave. We're gonna talk about it, but bit then it says today a slave costs example. about ninety dollars on average. What the fuck is that statistic? 
I mean, are we talking about a day? Like, what are we even? Just like the Google, like it says, like the answer to my question, and it says today and bold. Worldwide. Like, uh, what the fuck? I, huh? Sputtering out, sputtering Taken out. Taken from disposable people, new slavery, and the global economy. Mm. Uh, this is also from 1850. Ah. Oh. That, okay, never mind. So I didn't know if that was saying that, that was just a statistic the, that was fucking the, me up. The equivalent cost of a slave in 1850 is, it's saying, $40,000. Yeah. Now, Still again. fuck. Well, I take into consideration a few things there. First of all, that the antebellum slave economy was the most booming economy on the fucking planet, and a yeah, lot of those to... people had more money than God. Mm-hmm, like, we're talking mm-hmm. about a class of people so rich they ran the United States government single-handedly right. for, like, a century. And all the, all the, so... other, big, uh, all the other big economies were down at that time. That was... Right. Uh, England was just getting over its it colony and they we, the south sea bubble had just like happened pretty started making money off of slavery recent labor. and uh the french revolution destroyed the french economy so right it wasn't until textiles bumped everything back up yeah. and that was directly related to slavery yeah like the slave economy fueled the world economy for a very 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 long time i think that that's one of the few arguments you can make for like a lot of people say why was it easier to end slavery in other countries and, like, part of that oh, is because yeah. of how white supremacy is woven into American culture and identity. But I think the other part is Our the slave alliance. economy here was relied on by everybody mm-hmm. who did international business. I was going to say, as far as global powers come, at that point, America was probably just the most well-known. Well, I mean, I don't know, to be honest with you. Who else there... Because like the British Empire was still very much a thing, right? Um, I just think I think of one. I think of the four big powers were involved in the American landscape. No, yes, though. yes. So it, yes. it was like just by proxy of it being the newest territory, it was probably the most. And buzzed. we we because like we had that free labor aspect, we were able to export shit at an insane yes. pace. Like, it would be like if there was no Amazon existed of, then. You well, know? there was no question of like our labor force can't support this demand. Mm-hmm. You just make them. You know exactly. what I mean? And you there's get more. Yeah, there's there's a reason that the American economy never fully recovered from this. Of course. You know what I mean? Yes. You you can't really supplement not paying a labor force that doesn't have rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it, I, it's, mm, it's no, the, yeah. The, the capitalism in its purest form is a slave class, I think. Exploitative. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so we talked about how some places had the ability for you to free your slaves, and how in some cases it directly meant that you needed to get the fuck out of town as soon as you were freed. Uh, And a lot of states had also granted freedom to slaves who fought in the Revolutionary War. Like, just to explain how we got to... By 1830, there was an estimated 300,000 free black people living in the U.S. uh, who were not yet citizens because they didn't have the 14th Amendment. And this is like the uh, two thirds law still, like that that whole era of five, five. three fifths. Sorry, sorry. Or is it three fifths? Yes. Thank oh. you. Yeah, three fifths of a I person. I apologize. Yeah. Yes. Um. How what? How old would they have been if they fought in the the Revolutionary War? From well, you're talking about 1830. By 1830, yeah. Wow. Well, and that also years. means like generationally, huh? like their kids would also years. be free yeah. too, mm-hmm. dude. 
Yeah, you know what so I mean. Oh, lines of people. Oh, it goes out. To yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you, you so that's why I was. That's why I was wondering. Was free yeah. then, you know what I mean. Yeah. Cool. So that's how you got from chattel slavery to almost half a million people who yeah. weren't slaves anymore living here. While there were still what, like four million enslaved people living here at the same time. Right. Uh, so there was a lot of fear that freed blacks would um find a way to galvanize slaves into an uprising if they were allowed to just keep hanging out once they were freed. So the idea is, well, we'll just put them all on a boat and send them somewhere else. Uh, yeah, of course. And there were also a few other slave colonies uh, rec- uh, suggested at the time. Like, I didn't realize this. One of the original ideas for the Louisiana Purchase was to just give it to freed slaves. I didn't know that. Yeah. And like we talked about on the Tulsa episode that they had sort of conceived Oklahoma and the Oklahoma territory as mm-hmm. like we're just going to give this to indigenous people and black people because we don't want it until they realized there was oil there. Wasn't yeah. the Louisiana purchase like way bigger than Louisiana? Yes, the Louisiana yes, purchase is about was a, a third very of the big tract of land. Continental United States. Yeah, it's a very large tract of land. But there was also Ooh, so yeah. much land to, to oh like goodness. there was so Montana. much free land available yeah. back then that yeah. they were pretty the... liberal with yeah. how much land they gave away. That's like a lot we're of gonna land. Well, fuck, that's several million people with the assumption that they're gonna keep growing as a population. Yeah. That's uh that's how right. Napoleon I mean. funded his wars. Sold the Louisiana Purchase. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um Fucking so wild, right? It's all connected. It, we, when you, yes. Yeah, anytime I think about super... when he existed, it fucks me up so hard. <laughs> there was like a governor in Florida <laughs> named like Napoleon Bonaparte Jones or something. <laughs> oh my God. Reading Napoleon about Bonaparte Jones. Well, it really You're threw Napoleon. me off because like Jones. after you see Napoleon Bonaparte, like your brain sort of stops reading. So yeah. it said like the current governor of Florida, Napoleon Bonaparte. And I was like, wait, what the <laughs> fuck? Basketball Jones, <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte. Like, put it back to like, I did, yes. It's like Napoleon <laughs> Bonaparte <laughs> Jones. Yeah, of course that was me. Was. It was absolutely ridiculous, but... That was so derailed. I'm dying to think about that for hours now. Napoleon Bonaparte Jones! Save it for a t-shirt idea. Like, figure out a way to make Napoleon Bonaparte Oh, Chris Bonaparte Rock would sue us so hard. It's not even his song. That's I thought that funny. was his song. No, that's a cover, dude. This is a very... Oh. No, uh, Basketball Jones is originally by someone else. What? Uh, I can't remember if it's an Isley Brothers cover or not, but like, it's a fucking cover. I know he did with Barry White. I mean, maybe Barry White. <laughs> it's not originally a Barry White song either. Oh, never mind. It's, it's a cover. Yeah. Cool. Fun anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's the fun creep of the music episode. Back there. to... Le- the terribleness. Well, I mean, this isn't that bad. No. We talked about like four massacres a week ago, and you're complaining about this? I thought this was a light episode, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we were singing Napoleon Bonaparte Jones. Yeah, I right. think that makes There's it a light episode. There's fucking jingles happening right now. Your stomach is fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was my so... stomach in the last episode. Oh, right. And that was fair. <laughs> For real. So slave colonies such as was originally proposed for the Louisiana Purchase were popular with many abolitionists, uh, but black uh, emigration prevailed as an idea. Uh, it's also noteworthy that the majority of black people did not favor 
immigrating back to Africa, actually. Like, we did have the Pan-African movement, but it was not that popular of an idea. Right, well, that would be really scary. I mean, you're, well, the, your also, generation's off now. Well, and that's exactly what the point was, is that by this point, like, two to four generations of black people had been living here already. They weren't Africans anymore. Yeah. You know, you have to think about things like immune systems not adapting yeah. to tropic, and we're going to talk about why that was a problem. So uh, some black people did volunteer, but the, there was a, a pretty heavy amount of uh, forced emigration, or it was uh, offered as a condition of manumission. Like, hmm. I'll free you, but you have to get the fuck out of America as soon as I do. So here's here's your freedom. Go get on a boat and get the yeah. fuck out of here, because I don't want you coming back and murdering me in my sleep. Which, I was going to say, yeah. You know, Retribution um, is a motherfucker for white people. I well, I it's I think it's one of the biggest roadblocks to real equality is this uh, ingrained fear white people have that like everyone that you mistreated will do that to you if you're not in charge. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that like colonizer way of looking at mm-hmm. like the dehumanization yeah. of literally everyone to make the fear yeah. in you so great that you become. That's a what shut-in. the Japanese army did to their own army. What? You did that to them. What do you think they'll do to you? You're talking about World War II, right? Yeah, yeah. The imperial imperialist Japan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I was so confused. We're just I'm saying, sorry. yeah. Just make the uh, fear of the other one. Like, like yeah, you do that. Unit seven thirty one and shit like that. Well, yeah. We're just like they like look at the heinous shit you did, instill that fear of like that. What what will ha- that's gonna happen to you tenfold? Yeah. You this know is what? all fear propaganda. You know what scares me even more than the Japanese uh, government doing that to its own people. The fact that when the United States government found out what they did, their response was, how much would it cost us to buy all of this research? <laughs> yeah, uh, pragmatic response. Jones. What was that from the other? Conquered, not stolen? Was that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like somehow all of that is related. Um, now my stomach. Uh. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, set yourself up for that one, pal. Yeah, uh, so anyway, um, we uh, as we just talked about the the manumission thing. So, uh, four thousand five hundred and seventy one blacks were sent to Liberia between eighteen twenty and eighteen forty three, and by eighteen forty three, sixty percent of them had died. Uh, mostly from not having the proper immune system for tropical disease. Like, you have to, to remember these are people who grew up in places like Georgia, and mm-hmm. we just sent them to northern Africa, Texas. assuming that everything would be fine. Uh, so most of those people died. Oh, God. Uh, other... Racist and bad at medicine. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. And a lot of the, the like, the, there weren't a lot of supplies, like, they discovered that emigration was wicked expensive as well because you have to send the equipment over there necessary for people to like start farming or you couldn't farm crops that they had at like, there was a lot of not consideration. Too many moving parts. Exactly. For a bunch of dudes who hadn't really figured out indoor plumbing, terraforming was kind of above their pay grade, I guess. Uh, You don't say. So there were other proposed emigration locations, though, uh, including Chiriki, Panama, which I think had a little bit more success, although I think there was a plantation situation going on down there. I didn't do a ton of research into Panama, uh, so if anybody's interested, you can Google the uh, slave colonies of Chiriki, Panama, and see what happened with that. There was also Il Ivash in Haiti. Haiti maintained like open borders for black immigration for a really long time. 
and uh, a lot of the black people who went there, I guess, fared better than in some other places. Although, as a country, Haiti hasn't done great. Due yeah, to... they've had a they've had a rough hand dealt by us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Funny how that's a theme. Uh, discussions were also had about just buying an island somewhere and shipping black people there so that they could be free and far away from white people. Uh, I a go very back white and, idea. It is, I, but to be fair, I go back and forth on how bad of an idea I think that is. Like, it, you'd have to tell me where the island is first. Yeah. But, you know, there's certain islands that if you told me, like, hey, you get free fruit and you never have to talk to white people again, and be like, I mean, where's the island? Yeah. <laughs> Can I bring my dogs? Point on the globe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so while the government was trying to figure out how to get rid of us, uh, it was expanding land ownership for its white population. Uh, the Preemption Act of 1841 and the Homestead Act of 1862 both granted uh, tracts of like 160 acre parcels uh, to white people for in, in, I think, the case of the Homestead Act, they were only like 200 bucks. And that was 10% of the land in the country just given to white people with this act. And of course, this is when black people weren't citizens and therefore couldn't benefit. And in the case of the Preemption Act, that was like squatters' rights for land ownership. Yeah. So basically, you could go stay on land, that like federally owned land, and if you stayed there for 14 months and built something there, you just got that land. Hmm. So, yeah. 40 acres and a parcel. 160 parcels. Just whoa. That's all. Holy cow. Yeah, just whoa. That's a lot of land given out to people. Fuck. Yeah. And they're shipping. They want to find a fucking think 160 acres for $200. To put that in scale, in 2019, <coughs> the cost of an acre of farmland in the U.S. was $3,160. That makes sense. So hmm. imagine just getting 160 acres for essentially a dollar a piece. You know, there's there's a farm outside of Damn. our town that's about that size, probably like 200, 300 acres, and it's like, I wonder how anyone, anyone gets that, and it's like, it's probably- Generationally. One up by yeah. David's, that's like five houses on one piece of land, or no? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Wicked. That, how much is that? Millions of oh dollars. Oh my God. Millions of oh. dollars. Yeah, and they were just giving that away. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. But now they get to just, you know- the, sell the monks it however they want. That live out on the hill over there. They have tons of land. They're they're monks. They are over there. You're right. Yeah. Oh, monks. Yeah. There's a yeah. There's a what what what, what do you call a it? A monastery. A monastery. A monastery. Yeah. There, there's there is a monastery. Or Somebody a cloister. Depending. Yeah, Thank I'd, you, Zach. <laughs> what 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 whatever a swarm of monks are called. And, cloister. Yeah. And oh, yeah, they, they have they have like a ton. I of land. thought about being a monk for a while. I'm not kidding. Wait, a group I, of monks is a cloister? Yes. That's what cloister means. Sorry, there's the Cloister Museum in New York. It's also the wow. Pokemon Cloister. So wow. anyway. So um, here we are. Uh, generational wealth sucks. Yeah, generational wealth. Well, it's, it's also just quantifiable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so to try to combat this disparity that was created by the Homestead Act and the Preemption Act, uh, Congress passed an act to establish a Bureau for the Relief of Freedmen and Refugees in 1865, and that created the Freedmen's Bureau. We talked a little bit about the Freedmen's Bureau on a previous episode and how they sort of 
maintained a form of slavery by giving people property in exchange for working on it, uh, which is just a right. Uh, Now, they did do some good things, though, and they were originally created as a means to help the refugee crisis in the aftermath of the Civil War. Like, I don't think, because of how we contextualize history, oftentimes in this country we consider that, like, the Civil War created a refugee crisis in the United States, and that there was a lot of people who lost all of their property, all of their possessions... A lot of people who had previously lived on that property were now homeless, including their slaves. There was uh, a gigantic boom in laborers and a decrease in available work. Uh, so there's there's a lot that contributed to like a third world crisis going on in the formerly Confederate South after the Civil War. And there was a big question of like, what do we do about what we did to the South after the war? And uh, one of the things that was done was the Freedmen's Bureau is this uh, this way to like um, they provided clothing, uh, food, they helped build schools, offered medical services. Uh, they gave some land to displaced former slaves and poor Southerners both because a lot of people who weren't slave owners also lost their homes. Uh, in course, addition to yeah. that, the Bureau uh, helped locate lost family members. Like, there was a lot of situations, particularly for slaves, where, like, you were auctioned off and family went different places and you didn't see them again. Well, this organization tried to track people down. Uh, I can't which even is... imagine how difficult it was. Well, especially considering, like, a lot of these how people well didn't the have names. Yeah. Like, you know, that don't make the your mark were thing. Bad. The records were bad as fuck and in some cases intentional. I mean, like, they w- it was just all treated like transactional receipts you know well, there's really nothing more to than... put not too fine a point on it these people didn't matter to the people who were course, keeping the records they were so... they were cattlehead and that's the worst exactly like how yeah, how good are greatest... your genealogical records on your sheep yeah like yeah exactly you, you don't have any because they're there's, sheep yeah and that's that's what it was for a lot of these people so this organization set out to try to like trace back where people ended up and put families back together in the cases where that was possible uh, they also operated hospitals and temporary refugee camps, helped promote education. They also legalized marriages for a lot of newly freed slaves, because that's another thing. Like, these weren't citizens. Of course. They couldn't get married, even if you might have yeah, been living a as a family license. unit. So there were, no, there were no marriage licenses for a lot of these families. So uh, that was a thing that it was being done that it had never been done before. Uh, they also supervised employment and labor contracts to try to get some people some jobs. That didn't work out as great as... I- can't, can't even imagine. Right. Uh, they provided legal representation for, for uh, black, freed black people in some cases, and they helped black veterans secure payments from the military. Because there were a lot that of cases where, like, black important. dudes became soldiers. Like, we talked about, or I guess we didn't. I talked about this on Facebook, I think, with someone. There was a regiment from Massachusetts that was, uh, throughout the entirety of the Civil War, making half what the white soldiers were. I forget the number of the regiment, and I'm an asshole for not remembering. I think it was the 54th, but they were getting paid $8 a month as soldiers. So there was a lot of cases of, like, well, you don't, you're not a citizen. I can pay you whatever the fuck I want to. You know, something you see happen with immigrants yeah, now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, Naturally just going yeah. to uh, be exploited by white people exactly. at every turn, Pretty regardless much. of what they support. Yes. Kill the taboo. Talk about your wages. Absolutely talk about your wages. But yeah. in, in this case, it was the, the government just yeah. didn't really have a standard for how much soldiers made. 
So if the person in charge of your unit decided that you made less than the other guy, you could be standing next to someone doing the same job as you making half as much money. So one of the things that the Freedmen's Bureau did was try to secure back pay, basically, for people who fought for the Union Army. (sighs) Remarkable. It's good work. Uh, I mean, the organization only lasted for a few years because they weren't funded very well, as is usually the case. Oh, I'm sure plenty of Republicans pointed and touted. Well, I mean, back then the Republicans were pro- Yeah, right. Like the the Republicans were the ones who were trying to, as little as possible, I guess, secure things like suffrage and black rights or whatever. Um, yeah, Laurel's watching Downton Abbey right now, and the Republicans are the ones for labor and stuff. So. Well, that's that's British. Yeah, that's that's a whole other. Yeah, but it kind of goes. Can kind of. Kind of goes. Yeah, that's it. Kind of goes. It kind of goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for for this reason though. Uh, the Freedmen's Bureau served as like some of the first black medical records in the country, and some Whoa. of the first established like genealogical records and Eight. things like that. Because they're, I mean, these people hadn't been seeing doctors in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? Again, they were property. So, so 1865. You 1865 said? was when the when the organization was wow. started, and they would have. So like, imagine like black people have been coming to this country since the 1600s. And it wasn't until 1865 that anyone had any form of comprehensive medical records. Like, wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, now, the Bureau lasted until uh, 1872, uh, but they ceased being funded in 1868. So they were only actually funded wow. for like three years, but they got a good bit done in that short period of time. Uh, in the wake of Jim Crow, much of that work was undone, unfortunately, and many black farmers were Surely. forced into uh, what was known as peonage. I didn't realize a peon was like an actual thing. Oh, I yeah. was totally unaware of like that was a, a real term for basically uh, working on land that wasn't yours. Yeah, serfs. Yeah, basically peon, like yeah. American serfdom or indentured servitude yeah. would be like, you know, how we're always talking about quote unquote the Irish were slaves too. They would have been peonage farmers, yeah. basically. Uh, so I didn't know that was a thing. And the other thing was crop sharing. Uh, how much do you guys know about crop sharing? I know you're really interested in like agriculture and things like that, Cody. Are you familiar with crop sharing at all? I I understand the uh, the process where it was like leasing of land for people. So uh, it's kind of like a leasing thing, but not exactly. The contracts are a lot more loosey-goosey than that, actually, uh, which, of course... Insurably, it gives more wiggle room for exploitation. Yes. Yeah. So, by 1875, 28% of white people in this country essentially owned all of the land. Yeah, that's, and that's where the sharecropping that sounds accurate. came yes. in, is where they were... You're probably right, honestly. It's probably not that different like, if you really looked like, at the like numbers. Like, families. Now. 28% of white families own 28% of the land. Yes, yes. It's, it's not like people, people. It's, it's generationally inherited, mostly former slave owners, you know. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, saying... you're fine. I, I think it's, it, again, it's just the same structure where uh, the landowner leases the land to someone who, and I'm going to throw up the imaginary quotations here, cannot afford the land. Basically. That is where the exploitation comes, is that they can then sell them tools and then sell them all these other things. That's part of it. To ensure that they're indebted, and this is bringing back around the debt system, to keep you there and keep you working. And then with every turn, you can make like, hey, you... 
You've you, incurred these fees. Yes. If you're leasing these tools and one of them breaks, you got another fee on, or like even something more extrapolated. And they can also control what the, what the percentage of the payouts were. So if yeah. like you got a particularly high yield I was and you're say, supposed that was to make like thing. 15 cents on a pound, suddenly you're making 7 cents on a pound because we have to cover costs or something. Yeah. So you, you ended up with what is essentially debt slavery, you know, the exactly. p we were talking about. And a lot of black farmers were subjected to that for a really long time. Um, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, this is a fun quote, uh, a, a worse curse to North Carolina than droughts. This, this is describing uh, sharecropping. Uh, a worse curse to North Carolina than droughts, floods, cyclones, storms, rust, caterpillars and every other f- evil evil that attends the farm farmer huh. so yeah I, yeah yes. yeah, exactly because <laughs> all of those things get compounded by the need for you know the debt right. to be expunged so it's like all the problems you run into aren't even problems that you can address directly without compounding your slavery essentially something that has always confused me about like capitalism in the states particularly like now and i think last year was a good microcosm for this is that it's not really beneficial to anyone to keep people poor like people with no money don't spend more money money. on them in the long run you spend money prison or if it's rehousing or just social programs right it's it it's Biting us in the ass to not address public health now. And then as a, a business owner, your, your consumer class, like the base of people who buy your products, they don't spend money they don't have. Exactly. So if They don't the, have a wealth to hoard. Exactly. So if there's no consumer class, no one's buying products, you're not making money either. I don't... Yeah, that's why we invented credit cards. True, true. We have a credit system now. I mean, yes. but even that only takes you so far. Right, right. And that'll, all of that money is entirely theoretically. Too, and Again. I have a new thing, you know? I that's, have this. That's how it'll go. Great I have guys. this thought all the time in Butler. Like, I really wish there was be- like more like better restaurants and more diverse restaurants. But then I go, I couldn't afford to eat there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I just go, fuck it, man. McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> I was just going to say McDonald's it is again. Um, so you capitalism, <laughs> you love it, bro. Hey. Now, you, now you don't. Uh, so black land ownership in the U.S. actually peaked in like 1910. Nailing um, it, guys. Approximately 14 million acres of land was owned by about 210,000 black men. That was the peak of black land ownership in the United 1910. States. 1910. 1910. Right, and ever since then, when it hit that period in time, things like eminent domain. Uh, which is literally just the government showing up and saying this is our land now because yeah. you have something on that land that's valuable. Like the Blackfoot treaties and all <laughs> exactly. of those. Exactly. Yeah. Bo- what a bully. That's, a, that's the nicest way to describe exactly that's the what the most great school is, yeah. Yeah, version of but explaining you're, you're right. imperialism. Bullshit bully of all time. Uh, yeah. Urban renewal, which was literally just coming into neighborhoods and saying this isn't nice enough, so we're going to tear it down and build a road here. Gentrification. Uh, yeah, oh. gentrification, which is like the modern arm of urban yeah. renewal. It's 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 we're... actually switching. I think gentrification is a, a good way to explain that is they took urban renewal from the government and put it in the hands of the private sector. Contractors. Yeah, so we don't have to spend tax dollars to tear down black neighborhoods do you anymore. Hear that, everyone? We'll give you business incentives to do it for us. Right, but I can hear it over the horizon. Another the, Whole Foods? No, the New Deal. That's what I'm hearing over oh, the horizon. I mean, yes, but that was also something that was systematically 
exactly. kept away from black people, whether mm-hmm. we're talking about like just, housing I'm, I'm or... I'm literally referencing uh, the fucking highway put right through a black yes. community in Pittsburgh, in my mind, when I'm talking about the New Deal. And we talked a North bit side. about this with, yep. uh, we talked a bit about this with the Tulsa episode and that like people, like I think Ian, you asked like, where is uh, the Greenwood district now? And the mm-hmm. answer is it's a highway. Like a lot of these historically black neighborhoods were deemed uh, decayed and derelict and torn down to put more That's space between up. you and where you work. I hate highways. Like, well, I mean, they're an intentional part of the capitalist system. You need a car to drive to work, which is now further away from you. Yeah, they're exactly. the veins and of America, man. It's, it's the oil. It's big oil and the auto industry, which, of course, is funded by a bunch of fucking fascists and neo-Nazis, as we know from the Henry Ford episode. Yes. All of this stuff, like... I, I understand that, like, putting things in context and, like, putting the puzzle together is difficult because American schools don't teach us how to do that. But, Actively like, I really hope teach. that we give people this image of, like, this is all one really big tapestry with a lot of threads that interconnect to create the environment you live in now where everyone is broken, no one has health insurance, and we're all afraid because neo-Nazis are marching down the street with AR-15s and shit. All of that stuff goes back hundreds of years to the shit we're talking about on this show. It's remarkable how, you know, we, we've lost hindsight so, so... Well, hindsight was never taught. We didn't lose hindsight. Hindsight was intentionally kept from the majority of the population in favor of things like American Idol and Mm -hmm, American mm -hmm. exceptionalist education and teaching people that we're the greatest country in the history of ever anything. Regardless of... They kept saying hindsight was in 2020, but all we got was COVID. Oof. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I I thought about it three times not to say it. (laughs) Oof. Got him. And always let your conscience be your guide. <laughs> anyway, uh, in addition to uh, things like <laughs> urban renewal and eminent domain, there was also a campaign by the USDA to eliminate black farmland. Are you guys at Hold all on, familiar what? with... I'm familiar with this. Okay. There was a campaign to kill Dude, farmland? The, the USDA <laughs> systematically destroyed black farmland for a period of like 50 fucking years. So... Some 98% of the land that was accumulated by black people has been lost. Uh, the number of black farmers in relation to white farmers has dropped from roughly 1 in 10 to 1 in, t- one in 1,000. Jesus, what? Uh, by 2002, a USDA report showed black people own less than 1% of rural property in the United States. Uh, there was this case uh, in regards to the USDA thing. Uh, Pigford v. Glickman. Oh, wait. There it is. Glickman. Not Pigford? Yeah, really? You skipped over. I was expecting it to be both. I'm always keeping us on our toes, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds like something from a Rick and Morty Infinite Cable episode. But anyway. Hey, Glickman, do that thing with your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we don't care about Pigford, because did you hear the teeth thing? (laughs) It's crazy. I don't even know. Go with that. That's not. <laughs> okay. I love you, Abe. You got enough. my back a lot on Fair this enough. episode. <laughs> you got my back like five times. So many life preservers. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, so... <laughs> the most hated man of the U.S. Minneapolis. <laughs> 
so many life preservers. I've been listening oh, to a thing. Okay. I'm sorry. Go okay. on. <laughs> it's, it's all right. So Pigford v. Glickman was a class action lawsuit against the USDA for racial discrimination. And uh, they yielded something like a $2 billion payout in 2010. But the idea was that uh, like the USDA existed to bail out farmers that were, you know, defaulting or about to go bankrupt. Yeah. And but... they would deny loans to black farmers. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Which <laughs> would require them. Well, it's not just the denial of the loans. Like, in some cases, black farmers would have to find ways to offset that they didn't have crops by doing things like buying lumber to resale. And then the USDA would come back and tax them on the shit that they were selling to try to get away, get out of bankruptcy. So it just put a lot of black farmers out of business on purpose for decades. So there was a class action lawsuit that started in, I think, 1998 that wasn't settled until 2010. Uh, and it was for, I think, uh, Obama uh, administered like the approval of a payout of, I think, $2.1 billion or something mm. like that, mm. which is fine, but you'd think, you know, aggregate generationally from the loss of 98% yeah. of your farmland, trillions of dollars yeah. is, is the actual loss that we're talking about here. Think about how much one successful farm can generate an income yeah. in a season let alone a generation, let alone, like, several decades. I don't know. Here, I mean, it's an insane <laughs> amount of money is the point no, that yeah, I'm making. The, the, the Here, point here's the thing is, yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, Antonin Scalia had to be there whenever that payout was approved. Yeah, and you know the best I bet thing that about, fucking sucked for him. You know the best thing about Antonin Scalia, Abe? Huh. He's dead. He's so dead. He's so fucking What a fucking dead. dead piece of shit. Awesome that he's dead. What a hard name. Antonin Scalia. I don't even like it. Very, very Italian. It sounds so hard to say. Yeah. So, uh, like we said, pisses er, me off. Uh, I say we in the ro royal sense, uh, I mean I, uh, said that like the peak of black land ownership was 1910. Uh, so, something, uh, so from that period on, they started trying to find ways to take black land away, and you had more and more black people migrating to different places because they lost their farmland. Uh, the government took their property. Do you know what else started proliferating around 1910? This just a, I'm sure it's a coincidence. Sundown towns. So at the exact same time, more black murder. people's land was being taken away. Wow. White areas that did not permit black people to so much as travel through them started popping up all over the country. At the height, there was about 10,000 that we knew about. Have you guys looked at any of the lists of, yeah. of available? I think Millville I, I, fucked me up. I mean, that shouldn't, really, considering what you know about. Like, I mean, that list was also, I think, but short. But Butler wasn't on that list. Well, though. again, though, and Millville Butler, has, has, Butler has used Mr. to be a Smalls, city though. as opposed to a town. And it has Millville on like, and it has Millville is the area that the black neighborhood was literally paved over, and they put 79 in. That's what I was referencing earlier. Boom. We also did that in Northside, too, though. That's yeah, what separated seven, Deutsch 28 is it, Melville. 28 is Melville. <laughs> well, and yeah. the Northside was also originally conceived as an area for, like, doctors and yeah, shit like that. Like, it was. wasn't until... But Millville fucks me up because it looks like a hub of, like, what they're making it, like, cultural and Poor shit. Poor culture, it's, yeah. It's, well... What else was on that? There were some other ones that... Well, no, there I mean, none of that fucked me up, but that was the one from... that was like, Butler's on in here, but Millville. Well, is. Butler didn't used to be like this. It used to be more like a metropolitan area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like hmm. fucking Louis Armstrong's. Well, as I, say, yeah. as I always say, like, the Temptations played on Main right. Street. So, so this area didn't used to be, it wasn't until 
like the steel industry kind of Pullman. collapsed in on itself. Pullman killed and his town. And the railroad industry kind of died. We yeah. need to do a deep and dive on Pullman. all of those. I, I wrote it and then we didn't do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, did the, we talked about this. We did the Tulsa episode instead. I had an entire fucking like 14 that pages happens like this every ha- week yeah, okay yes it does i understand that we love we you. we have we have a bill cooper episode written that isn't being done either because i white people can't learn crt so every week something makes me angry enough to talk about it for an hour and a half but yeah i wrote the pullman episode in the homestead thing and then realized that it was the 100 year anniversary of tulsa and that seemed like a bigger deal so at some point we're going to do the Pullman thing, but it, it is done. I just didn't fucking, you know, you do it. Why don't you do the Pullman episode? You want to do the Pullman episode? Great point. I'll send you some notes. We'll figure it out. I'm going to say, don't yell at me. I didn't do anything. <laughs> no, I'm not yelling at anyone. I'm just an angry person. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Mox. Anyway, <laughs> Sundown oh, Towns. fucking great. That's the quote of the episode. <laughs> fucking Mount Lebanon. So, well, yes, we, that, we were talking about Mount Lebanon, being, and I think they're on the list. Yes, they aren't are. Aren't they? Or they're the, the no public. They got rid of school, school buses. Yeah, that's <laughs> they never brought them back. And apparently still don't have school buses, which is something I didn't realize till Abe told me. Uh, but to define Sundown Towns, it was basically an area that after dark, it was only allowed to be white people. Black people had to leave the area by sundown, hence Sundown Town. And this was enforced either uh, as most of the places on that list in legislation of some kind. Or just an unwritten rule that if you were black, white people were going to beat the living shit out of you if they saw you outside. A promise of violence, if you will. Yes, and that included motorists. Uh, We actually have, are are any of you guys aware of the Green Book? We made a movie about it like two years back, and NPR was interviewing the the author or the whatever, the Pretty sure a white guy made it. Yeah, I've heard very mixed things about the movie itself. I, I... really wish white dudes would stop like just stop yeah stop period but specifically in this particular as case, a white like, dude Boxy, you know what? i totally There's... agree <laughs> yeah i yeah. wish white dudes would stop too. i wish white dudes would stop too ian um i also love you this thing like where where yes there's there's an issue that and part of the reason I wanted to fucking do this podcast in the first place is that, like, there's a lot of issues that I see that need to be addressed that the only people addressing them are white men who don't properly understand them. Like, there was just a fucking viral video, and I, I know this was a high school kid, so I shouldn't be upset. That white kid from, like, Montana who got big props, like, going viral on the internet for describing, like, explaining the Confederacy to a classmate. Yeah. And first of all, he was wrong about half of what he said. But it's just like, ah, oh, isn't it amazing? Someone's finally dispelling all the myths about the Confederacy. And I'm over here like, I did that a month ago! <laughs> like, just, just fucking, uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, Your mic control there was wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I'm learning. This is the third season. Yeah. Uh, so sundown towns, uh, some of them were marked by signs right. and, uh, because, because I'm me, I have a few of the, the quotes from those signs here. Uh, this is from Edmond, Oklahoma. My stomach's going to hurt. Yeah, probably. Cool summers, mild winters, no blizzards and no Negroes. That's from Oklahoma. Uh, one of the first ones that was ever observed was actually in Alex, Arkansas. And that was nigger. Don't let the sun go down on your ass. Uh, that's in Alex. I think it's nigger. Don't let the sun go down in your ass. In Alex, A L I X. 
which I think is just something white people name their kids now. Um, yes. Whites Only After Dark, that's another one. Pretty plain and simple. That one's from Florida. And as we've discussed, like some of these places still exist. Like I'm pretty sure Bedford, Pennsylvania is still a sundown town. I'm pretty confident Rochester, Pennsylvania is still a sundown town. I was I just think. in fucking Rochester. Yes, yeah, so you know Rochester what I'm talking sucks. about. Like the, one of the I first times I was in Rochester, oh, that it was sucks. stand, uh, stand up related, and there was a bar across from where I was working with a coloreds, no coloreds allowed sign. <laughs> Look at this sign I found on Google. Welcome uh, to Sundowners, a neighborhood city watch. Well, someone, uh, whenever fuck? I was talking about this on Facebook, said that uh, they grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And apparently, like, the local Coney Island has a mixed drink called the Sundowner. Because they were a sundown town and ha-ha-ha racism, I guess. Talking about my I vacation don't... again, when I was at the Outer Banks, there was, a, there was signs for, like, a sundown like um but it was it was sundown something but it was for like fishing like nighttime fishing and i was like really thinking about it because like going like dusk fishing sundown makes sense but like phrasing is phrasing uh, still a thing (laughs) something else that i saw discussed in in this uh in this post was that uh, in illinois for example the black residents of the town weren't allowed to leave their homes after dark and the black vagrants were locked in a train car overnight until sunup because they weren't allowed to be out and about and of course this also relates to like the whole white womanhood thing that we talked about last week where roaming black men might rape white women so we needed to keep them all locked up and just that whole anti-vagrancy thing that's still sort of a problem in this country i mean it's not specifically racial anymore but like the way we demonize homeless people is uh, it's it's, it's gross. <laughs> I mean, actively punish them for homelessness. Uh, where were Existing. we? Yeah. Where were we that like I was very sleep. very shocked by the uh, anti vagrant architecture. Where were we? Uh, Pittsburgh. We were. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, Juneteenth yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah they, you guys were at the point, weren't you? Yeah, yeah we were in the, 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 the Pittsburgh there. point, and all the benches had the the, um, the armrests, the armrests in between them, so you can't lay down on them. Yep. Yeah, and that was the first time I had really seen anti-homeless architecture in Pittsburgh. I didn't realize that was a thing that you know Pit, the, America's most livable city <laughs> would be engaging in. Uh, but sundown towns really restricted black travel at a time when, as I said, the government was actively taking black land away. In 1930, for example, on Route 66, where you can get your kicks, as I'm told, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, 44 of 89 counties were entirely whites only in sundown towns. Mm. So it really just restricted entire, like, that's the whole, like, if you're trying to get to California... And if you remember, like, our Watts Riots episode when we talked about how California was kind of conceived as a whites-only area and up until, like, the Second Great Migration was 75% white, Mm -hmm. how did they keep black people out? Oh, we had these unspoken rules all over the country, which meant you couldn't travel anywhere. Just a straight line of, like, a defensive perimeter around the western coast. Yeah, keep you out yes. basically oregon was founded as a non-slave state by the they, exact same person who yeah. founded california or yep. conceived of california yep. yeah it's, so it's yeah it's crazy how massively just pro-slavery every state is around california even today you know yes <laughs> well and california if you leave yeah, like of course i mean all the more the more, the more like urban areas like rural california is one of the most conservative, conservative places in really fact scary, don't too. they have like the highest concentration of republicans in the country 
Like, like aren't there more probably Republicans? Probably in, like, in North California. I think California has more Republicans per capita than, like, any other state in the It's country. got a lot of people, that's the thing. Well, that's so. true, it does. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a big sense population I mean, center. As far as conservative centers with population density, Well, and they have that whole, like, Jeffersonian else. thing out there. Like, there's people who mm. want to make California, like, a new Confederate state still, like, Oh, Jefferson. yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember they were talking about, uh, Killing me. There, 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 there was like a billionaire plan to split California up into five states yes. at one point. I yes. remember that. That was only like two years ago. Yeah, that was really I recent. I, 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 I remember uh, someone was analyzing the idea and they're like, this state here is where Silicon Valley is. And that's where like 60% of the nation's wealth would be. Yeah. Well, and it's also where a lot of our like usable farmland is. Like yeah. not the same part of Silicon Valley, but like one of the big dangers of California being on fire is that so much of our produce comes from there. And yeah, we we're heavily that's reliant. That's where our cows are. Yeah. They're in Texas. Uh so because of all of this racial legislation over all of this time, I think that a logical case for if you want to alleviate the stress of like generational terrorism committed against black people in particular in this country, reparations are fucking necessary. Uh, that we have the land, we have the ability. Think about how many times we've bailed out corporate America. You know, oh, I mean? like there's yeah, that kind of that makes my head feel like Swiss cheese when I think about you know the ability the Ford exists. Well, industry, yeah, you know. We bailed out Ford yeah. after, you know, giving him money after we bombed his Nazi factory and a bunch of other things. Like, and, and the banks as well. And the bank bailout and the Homestead Act. And, oh, like, we're thinking about it now. All right, my head There's hurts. so much in, in terms of socialism for the white in the history of the United States that... They call that corporate socialism now. They do, because yeah, it sounds prettier. Yeah, exactly. But, but you're exactly right. It's or just... socialism for the rich would be another... Yeah, a uh, convenient way to put it, I guess. But like that, we've we've allowed that for such a long time that I think it's necessary to address that black people, like I said earlier, less than one percent of of the land ownership in the country, and fourteen percent of the population. It just seems like it's it's about time that, and not just checks because. A check for $1,000 does not alleviate <laughs> generations of people having things stolen from them. A check for $1,000 is kind of an insult. I agree. And I think that that's what a lot of people think reparations, like what, what, what is meant by reparations. Yeah, it's... Here's a check for a grand, sorry that your great-great-grandmother was a slave. But the reality is that, that land ownership, the ability to have uh, someone was talking to me about baby grants. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a way to protect generational uh, accumulative wealth, as a possibility, uh, there's a lot of land trusts popping up that are uh, co-ops between indigenous people and black people. Right, exactly. Um, but this is something that I think, if you're going to keep having a country, <laughs> needs to be addressed by the country immediately. Uh, absolutely, because you're dragging this centuries-old problem everywhere you go because you refuse to acknowledge it, and I think it's about fucking time. And I think that, uh, if, if nothing else, I think that the stuff we've talked about this season has made a pretty good case for it. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so that's why reparations. And I think that a lot of people also confuse like reparations and affirmative action. Like that. Oh, probably yeah. This yeah. idea that, yes, liberals <laughs> yeah. more often than not is this idea that like, well, we'll give you a leg up in the employment force. But the problem with that is, is like the inverse of racial quotas is we don't have to hire three qualified black people because we have enough black people working here already. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that inverse of, uh, it's not about qualified people. It's I need a number. And if you can hit a whole bunch of different boxes, I don't care how good you are. It looks good to say you're working here. Right. Um, and that's that whole faux meritocracy thing. Again, that we talked about last week as well. Uh, so that's, that's what I have historically for the case for reparations. I just want to, to wrap, ask you guys, because next week is the season finale. What have you learned this season? My goodness. Uh, if we could just break down how much money is owed to a single number to, you know, the active population of black Americans, it would be probably three times what today's you know social currency is trillions it would be (laughs) it it's heartbreaking to realize that this whole system is built upon the predation of people and Mm. roundabout way of, of continuing it was the exclusion of them from the societal benefit so it's obvious the problem and it's at this point so blatant that if it doesn't get corrected, like you said, there's going to be the ending of Rome. Yeah, I that's mean, we're what almost this, there. I yeah, think that's is, what this uh, season has done. They for call me. it late stage capitalism because it's dying. Exactly, you and know what I mean. The people don't acknowledge it. That's I agree. And, and the like, remarkable part of how the ignorance works. You know? And I, if I could ask you a question about what you said there, uh, like quantifying the debt thing mm-hmm. do you think part of the aversion from a lot of white people is the idea that it's too big um like how i could, don't like do you think that in in some people's minds the question is like how would we ever yeah appropriately of address this do that's, you think that's a factor that's possibly a liberal mindset that okay. can be a trap for people but yeah. i know everything's imaginary at this point when no it comes for sure to the, money's not real yeah like, no. <laughs> land ownership's not real no no so if, to me it's, it is a problem for people stuck in the system. Okay, yeah. They need to realize that the system is dying, so. Well, and also I think a misconception that, again, I think a lot of liberals have there mm-hmm. is that the system is broken. Like, I really think a lot of people right. need to break themselves of this. We need to fix this broken system. I think that one thing that I want to stress to people over and over and over again is that the system is doing exactly what it's supposed to. It's running out of exploitative resources. Yes, though. it's running out of fuel. Exactly. I, That's the quite big literally. Thing. I yes. mean, oil is 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 definitely a thing, and we're going to talk a bit about line three yeah. next week and some of what we're doing for the season finale. But I think that we it's running on a finite energy source that is running out, whether it be people or oil. You know, I mm-hmm. think you're you're right there. Uh, but I do think that this exploitation aspect of it, the people are like, well, if we could just fix the free market so it doesn't take advantage of people, what do you think it's supposed to be doing? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's is- where I think the libertarian mindset is just obtuse and they miss the point exactly of, you know, 
yeah having freedom in this the system that we're in <laughs> i mean i don't think freedom's real in terms of free market capitalism no, but, i think it's a grift but the idea for them is the freedom is freedom to exploit oh yes yes my my ability to choose not to help you right right so yeah, well, Abe. I mean, you you were only here for half of it, but I I imagine you listened to some of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I keep learning that no matter how many times you put the information out there, it doesn't mean the people who need to learn it will learn it. I mean, that's true, and it, it's it's difficult whenever you take into consideration that there is a concerted effort into making sure people don't learn this stuff, like. Right. You look at how the the American educational system is responding to critical race theory, and it's been this re uh, like reemergence of American exceptionalist quote unquote education. You know why can't we just teach that this is the greatest country in the history of everything? Well, because it's not, and because that's a dishonest way to go about education. (laughs) Like I think that part of it is, is is thinking about. You know, indigenous history, black history, the history of, you know, women in this country, queer history as brackets in a folder and not just part of the overall conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, that black history is not, like, it's it's part of the history of the country itself, so excluding that is not admitting to a portion of what you are, what you've become, and how you got here. And I don't think you can honestly move forward if you can't have that conversation, mm-hmm. which is why I think things like this show are necessary, because right. there are people, at least in my experience, who have gotten to a point where they want to have these conversations or are able to or are open to having these conversations. And I don't think white people should be in charge of those conversations. <laughs> I think that participation is different. I do think that that's necessary, but I'm not dictating perspective. No, 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 no. like not, not. um, You can't understand the black experience, no matter how many books about the black experience you've read, because you've never been black. Exactly. You know what I mean. So I think that that is a such a mind-boggling concept for people just to like swallow that pill it's like you can just accept saying you will not know something for the rest of your life it's easy it it should it sounds easy to say once you've like internalized it like i can't get this because it's not something i deal with but it is so hard for people who've like the system is engendered in them i am right all the time I have the best ideas. Mm -hmm. I know better than everyone else. One of the biggest pushbacks that I find from men in particular about CRT is this idea that like, well, it's, it's antithetical to say that black people could have a better understanding of this than me. No, it's not. Do you have as just as good of an understanding about birth as your wife? No, you've never been in labor. (laughs) It's, it's just, you can read books about being in labor, but that doesn't mean you understand the intricacies of going through that experience as a person who doesn't go through that experience. So I think that it's, it's something that uh, is difficult for some people to understand, but it is vital and necessary to the survival of us as a society to figure this shit out. So uh, Ian, what about you? Henry Ford is a full blown Nazi. Yes, he is. Did you just learn that this season? I thought you it was solidified this Okay, season. fair enough. I mean, fair enough. And then I guess, because everything's just solidifying shit. Uh, the U.S. has killed so many people that we need to reckon with. 
Absolutely. That's, yeah, just solidifying that that Henry Ford is a full blown Nazi, and we got reckoned with all these people we're killing. We've killed, and we're killing. Well, fucking a! I'm I'm glad everyone is learning things. That's yeah, re encouraging, or I guess encouraging. I don't know if re encouraging is a word. Anyway. I think we need a him and Hitler would have slapped fives. Like he's a full uh, blown Nazi. I think they did. They almost. I mean, I think. Did. Well, I don't think the high five was invented till the seventies, but yeah. Is that real? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was invented in a baseball game. Is that real? That's yeah. fucking me up right now. Yeah, the high five wasn't invented that until like the seventies. Holy shit. I bet it was the Cubs. I don't know why my head said that. I bet Babe Ruth was involved. <laughs> he was a historically very white, very baseball-y individual. I don't know. <laughs> he was a baseball-ian. Uh, so, <laughs> he, was, he was a baseball-ian. From the land of baseball. <laughs> uh, from, from the balls of base. Uh, so that's, that's what I got for this week on the case for reparations and why that they're necessary. Next week, we're going to have a good friend, Alex Reed, on to talk to us a bit about the Land Back Manifesto. And we're gonna wait. You you pulled it up. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you telling me a black dude invented the high five? Is that I think what's so. going on right now? I think so. <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Glenn Burke of the Los Angeles <laughs> Dodgers. Oh, that face. That we're gonna we're gonna high upset. Five we're gonna upset a lot of people with the Los Angeles Dodgers as opposed to the Brooklyn Dodgers, but I suppose that's okay. They've been there for like ninety years now. Um, <laughs> right. Nineteen seventy seven, invention of the high five. Son of a wow. bitch. Fucked up. So another thing a black dude invented that y'all stole and everybody thinks is super white now. Look at how it all comes full circle. <laughs> it, it, it came to them naturally, and we're still, as white people, just fucking them up and redoing them like fucking awkward it's, people, it's man. It's the Charleston of things you do with your hands. Exactly. Um, God damn it. Do, do you guys know the story of the Charleston? This is just a real no, quick aside. So the, do you, you know the dance, right? Yeah. Of the course. Charleston was invented as a way to make fun of how white people dance by black people. <laughs> got him. Uh, it's pretty and funny. Now it's just a thing that. that white people it. do as it. a dance. I get it. Just that's that's a f- I, wow. I love that fact. Yeah, they, they finally made one for us. Golly Doodly gee! Do. Got my hands on my <laughs> hips. <laughs> so this is from everybody at the four cornered room. Thank you for tuning in this season. Next week we're gonna do land back and um, a bit about residential schools and the line three pipeline situation. Big old topics. Uh, very, very important today. Very important, very relevant that I, I think need attention. And hopefully after a couple of months off, we're going to come back and bum out your Thanksgiving telling you how terribly you've all treated indigenous people for the last few hundred years. Yep. Uh, all your public lands. Yeah. So, so going back to them, y'all. Just enjoy so that. Know. Prepare for that. Yep. But uh, yeah, I'm done. And from okay. the four cornered room. We just want to tell you to stay hydrated. And uh, thanks for feeling the fuck bad with us, Yeah, I guess. So stay hep. Clickman. Thanks, everybody. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>